Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. We're going to be diving into what God has for us today. We're going to be talking about track record. The Spirit of God put this message in my heart very strongly. And, you know, I pray that God will open your hearts to receive from Him. In the name of Jesus. You know, there are, when you talk about track record, it's so broad that, you know, there are so many ways you can talk about track record. You can talk about track record of pain. You know, we can begin to examine track record of pain. Like, people that have been broken. You know how we say, God breaks people. That's a, that can be a track record. But that's not what we are talking about today. We are talking about a different kind of track record. We are talking about the kind of track record that something happens in your life and you can go back to call for that track record. I say, Father, remember this. I, I, I've discovered that a lot of times as believers, we don't think like that. You know, there's a question the Holy Spirit asked me and I said, is it that you asked the church? And I'm going to ask you that question right, right away. If, if, I don't want to say if God, okay, yes, if God, or if heaven, if the forces of heaven, where they join together and they say they want to write something about you, a citation about you, what will it be? Think of it. Quickly, let's say a sentence. Don't say, I am blessed. That's it. Uh, he's blessed. That's not, what's that? Or don't say, he's the child of God. <laughs> we know that. If they were to write something about you, personal about you, we'll look at some people in the scriptures that angels appeared to and told them some things. Or some other people that had encounters. Or some other people that people spoke about. Track record. Track record. Now listen, as you hear these words today, for a lot of us, it's, it's a way of encouraging us. But as you get encouraged, you still get, you know, um, oh, like you still, there are still things that God will want you to improve on. For some other people, it's an eye-opener, like, wow, I need to start doing something. I remember a time, some time ago, the enemy struck one of our families. This was many years back in Canada. Struck them, afflicted them painfully. And I knew this was an attack of the devil. You know, and we prayed. We started praying. And I remember during the prayer, I just began to see flashes of this woman serving God. Flashes of this woman, work weekend, she would not have slept, she would come just to make sure the church is okay. She would decorate, she was doing a lot. And I called for that record. I said, Father, remember your daughter. Remember her service in your house. Lord, she did, I mean, she, she exhausted herself. She did everything, Lord, for you. She loves you passionately. I mean, today the story is not a testimony. God intervened. If something were to happen in your life tomorrow and you wanted to get God's attention based on your track record, what would you say? Remember what? Remember what? What would you say? <laughs> May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. So I, I feel the Spirit of God. I mean, this is so broad. I'm going to try to unpack it as much as I can. But for the purpose of the message of today, God wants us to focus on three, three aspects, three ways you can build a track record. They are very broad. I mean, so many things I'm going to them. The first one we are quickly going to look at is service. Service. Your service to God. My question to you today, my brothers and my sisters, you know, by the grace of God, I love you all. I won't. 
I don't sugarcoat things by God's grace. I try to say it as it, as it is. You know, I, I, I will not, I don't want to lead you guys astray. So I will tell you the truth as it is. Service. Do not deceive yourself. What service are you rendering to God? What service are you rendering to God? And a lot of us don't know that God sees these things. Is it all about your own life? For a lot of us, all we care about is ourselves. Oh, and then you come to God. You can't use God. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, there this prayer that my father used to pray. My father would say, in the day of trouble, Father, remember our offerings and deliver us. I say, God forbid, we do have trouble. Now I'm old. There are days of trouble. <laughs> ah, anybody that tells you that there are no days of trouble, is a lie. <laughs> they are deceiving you. There are days of trouble. So when the days of trouble come, what will you hold on to? See, one of the worst things that can happen to a believer is to fight by your strength. Then what's the use of being a believer? And the thing is, I see a lot of believers fighting by their strength. But in all of it, God will still help them, but it was their strength. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Service! What? I mean, if God were to stand here today, and God would say, what have you done? What, what service have you rendered? What will you say? What have you done? I want to encourage us as parents. We should start thinking of how our children we serve. Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we look at our parents, our, the older generation, ah, these our parents, oh, they are too, their own is too much, they are too religious. But sometimes, those things, I mean, in fact, a lot of times they help. The fact that they will say, oh, go for Sunday school, do this, do that, serve in church. I don't. <laughs> I can't even remember when I started serving. I served to the point where sometimes I go to church, I'll say, oh, What departments do you have? I'll look at everything. I've served in all of them, and I want to experience something new. One time I was begging God, I said, God, let me sit down and listen to the word of God. Please. My father said, Oh, you this moment. <laughs> like, go and walk. <laughs> I was tired, like, I had walked. At the time I was children's uh, teenagers' teacher, when I got to church, I'll be dodging because I don't want to go and teach them. I'm tired, I'm drained. And I'll have called, I'll say, I'm not feeling too fine, man. I'll call the head of the teacher, please help me take care. As I'm walking, the children don't see me. Oh, God, they will call my name. I'll still be tired. What's this? And it's not like you are teaching, you are teaching two hours straight. I will teach, 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 teach. Open the Bible, they will ask questions. I'll, ask, I'll say, God, there's still one hour, 22 minutes left. <laughs> Now, what, how are you serving God? It's not even just about serving God. What art are you using to serve? It's beyond just serving God. What is the art? This is God. This is God. And so I, I always try to encourage everybody that when God calls you to serve, look at this like an employment, kind of. So the things, see, God, is, God said it. He said, I'm a jealous God. Is jealousy a good thing? But God is revealing his character to you. So you know what a jealous person does, right? You know how jealous people behave. They will compare something. So you have a jealous spouse. Eh? If you have a jealous spouse and you do something for your jealous spouse and you do something else for your sister, you have a sister. That your jealous spouse will compare what you did for both of you. Like, ah, why is my own? Why are you doing the same thing for both of us? Am I not your wife? For someone that is not jealous, it's not an issue. Are you getting? Or you spend a long time with one female friend as a man. I know most spouses will have issues, but you know what I'm saying. A jealous spouse will always go extreme. So when God is saying he's a jealous God, he's looking at your service to him and your service to the world. 
So if with your employer, you are someone that is a punctual person, and with God, you are late, God sees it. So if God knows that you as a person are to work, you don't need to get late. And to his own assignment, you are late. God is seeing it. Look at the attributes of jealousy. Go and learn jealousy. When God says, I am jealous. See how God, you know the things that make God deal with children of Israel most. First and foremost, lack of trust. Secondly, their worship of other gods. He says, thou shalt not bow before any other god. So, what kind of art are you using to serve God? The problem that lacks a lot of time is the fear of God. We don't fear God. So, you see God as a friend. Yes, God is a friend too. <laughs> but you should also fear God. God is the one that does a thing. He will do the thing. That thing will pain you. We almost scatter your life. You can do it. You almost run mad. Like this, how can I survive this? And you cannot curse him. If you curse him, he'll still punish you again. And you will now go to God. I mean, that person will now go to hell. What's that? So who can fight God? Are you not saying that this God should be feared? He will do the thing. Curse him. Try it. Curse him. So if the person curses him, and still dies. A trailer is the account on 401. You know me, I like to always, I like to bring it life. And the person still goes to hell. So, so the person will not be in hell burning. <laughs> That's God. It says, do not fear man that can only kill the body. Fear God that can kill the body and throw the soul into hell. So is that God that you now serve like an, ah, I don't want to get, I don't want to go there. <laughs> so what are you serving God? Let's look at the story of someone very quickly. His name is Ezekiah. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 1 to 8. I'm going to read it very quickly. It says, about that time, Ezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave this king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Ezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O oh Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and I've served you single-mindedly. Track record. Always doing what pleases you. Track record. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Go on. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Instant. Go back to Ezekiah and tell him this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will rescue you and this city. Oh God. And I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And this is the sign from the Lord to prove he, that he will do what do as he has promised. I will cause the sun's shadow to move ten steps backwards on the sundial of Ayers. So the shadow on the sundial moved ten steps backward, ten steps. Not only did God speak the word, God gave a sign, track record. Listen, if Ezekiah had kept quiet, what would have happened? He would have died. If Ezekiah didn't have anything to hold on to, he would just pray for nothing. He says, remember, I have served you single-mindedly. Are you serving God single-mindedly? What are you doing? How are you serving God? <laughs> God will help us in the name of Jesus. And when you talk about service, quickly, let's quickly run. If I'm going to break service into two, one of them is what I just spoke about, serving God. Serving God, serving God, serving in the vineyard of God. Serving in the vineyard. What are you doing? God needs you. The Bible says that. 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God needs you. Always look for it. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, look for a way to serve. Not only, you know, when you talk about track record, part of track record is, there's no way you will have a track record that will not reflect on your generations to come. It's not possible. Look at Abraham, a friend of God. Do you know how many times that God said, because of my servant Abraham, I will not do this. That's track record. It will reflect. There's no way you serve God with all you have that is not reflecting on your children. And if you cannot do it, the best legacy you give your children is to know God. So imagine you serve God. You teach your children to serve God. You have guaranteed generations to come. But you have to serve God. There is no escape. I'm telling you this. I mean, so it's good. Yes, I know a lot of us, oh, we just like to come to church, just sit down. Why are you serving God? So how will you say you serve God? I know there are so many ways to serve God. We'll still talk about that. But how? What are you doing in this vineyard? There's something called the Great Commission. Jesus says we should go into nations making disciples of, for him. That's the number one purpose. All these jobs and all these things we do, they are by the side. That's not, that's not your number one purpose. Your number one purpose as a child of God is to win souls. But you can't be... So maybe you don't know how to... I encourage everyone to find time to talk to people about Jesus. But another way you can evangelize is by serving in the vineyard. So guess what happens? Do you know that when a soul is won, it goes on the account of so many people, not just on the account of the person that ministers. You don't understand. From the person that greets that person from the door and that person smiles and opens their heart to receive of God to the person that is leading praise and worship and is following the leading of the Spirit and that person's heart is open and the person is worshipping God to the person that shares a testimony I mean, everybody has a part to play to the person that has cleaned the church to make sure the person is not distracted you know some people, if they see a wrapper of biscuit they can't focus in church again they just keep looking at it I don't know what they call that it's, a, it's not a sickness, but it's something OCD they won't focus. So to the person that cleaned to make sure that person can connect, <laughs> they, have, they were all part. To the instrumentalist, everybody that worked. To the people, imagine people that give their lives online. <laughs> Do you know how many people worked? Do you know the effect of the multimedia team on that life? Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a body. We have to serve. The God of heaven will help us in the name of Jesus. I look forward to a time when each and every one, I think as a church, I think we are doing very good. Because if I'm going to look at the, if I look at the, um, the percentage, I think about 60% of our adults are workers, right? Am I right? Yeah. If not more. That's awesome. Volunteers. People are volunteering for God. You can't just sit down and not do anything. God will help us to start building our track records in Jesus. Then the second thing about service is serving other people. Serving other people. So serving God, serving other people. How do you serve others? How? How are you serving other people? How do you help other people? How do you support other people? How do you make people's life feel more comfortable? How do you make life easier for people? So my question is, when someone comes to tell you their problems... Do you just say, let me pray for you and be going? I guess that's one of the reasons why my own case is a bit different. I don't know how to just do that. I want to do a bit more and see that the thing is resolved. So sometimes it tells on me because I, I, I get stressed after a while. By the time you do 15 of that, your body will feel it. But that's what God expects of us. What does the Bible say? Did the Bible say when your brother, you see a brother that is hungry and he comes to ask you, did the Bible say you should pray for him? When the Bible says when you see a brother that is hungry and he asks you for something, Food or for money. 
did the Bible say pray for him? What did the Bible say? Give to him. God will help us in the name of Jesus. Let's quickly run. So I said three things. The second one is good deeds. So the first one we spoke about is service. The second one is good deeds. You know, there's a phrase, <laughs> oh my God. There's a phrase that my dad said, Olumide, do you remember? When Olumide, I can't forget, when we went for the, um, for the wedding and I think it was the day of the engagement that he came to greet my dad. Do you remember when he got into the room, my dad's room, and my mom said, oh, that my dad should pray for Olumide. And my dad said, okay, before I pray, you need to know something. I don't know if you remember that phrase. That thing was ringing in my head. I've heard it before, but I guess it's the way the man said it that just kept ringing in my head. He says, we are not saved by good deeds. But we are saved to do good deeds. And it says, the level of good deeds you, you sow into the lives of people will determine your rising. Then he prayed for Lumide. Uh, do you remember? You remember that scenario? We are not saved by good works. A lot of people, that's where they miss it. They'll just say, we are not saved by good works. Then they start doing useless, bad, bad works all their life. And they say they are believers. We are saved to do good deeds. That's one of the things God expects of us. God will help us in the name of Jesus. Let's look at two people quickly. Good deeds. First person we are going to look at is Dockers. Her name was another name was Tabitha. Dockers. I mean, this was an exceptional story because it was the people around her that rallied down and said, Ah, no, this one cannot go. The Bible says there was a believer, so I'm reading from Acts of Apostles chapter 9, verse 36 to 41. It says there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydia. So they sent two men to beg him. Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them. And as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him, listen, and showing him the coats and other clothes that doctors had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented them to her, to them alive. Hold that. Let's move to another person. I, we have, because of time, we have to go very fast. The next person we are talking about is Cornelius. Cornelius. The Bible says in the book of, of Acts, chapter, Acts of Apostles 10, 1 to 5. It says, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius. Wait, before we go forward. Do you know who the Roman officers were? You, don't know, you guys don't know, right? You don't understand it. The Jews were under captivity. Do you know? Let's look at today, in the day of today. How would the Roman officers be? Look at Nigeria. For those that are from Nigeria, who would the Roman officers be? Think of it. They were not believers, though. Romans were not believers. You know, they were not Jews. Do you understand what I mean? Who would they have been? You know, wait, what are you saying? Wait, what are you saying? Eh? Eh? You don't know? No, not senators. No. No. Let's look at the analysis well now. They, like, imagine that they conquered it. I, mean, I, I don't want to talk too much. Imagine they conquered the country and they now have their soldiers ruling. 
That's something almost, even though he was not religious. Eh? He's not me. I mean, are they not Nigerians? Who? The other people? Eh, no. But you heard that people came from other places. I mean, don't let's talk too much. But you look at what I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture. They were not friendly. They were not their friends. They were not the best friends of the Jews. That's why Simon the Zealot was. Those people were angry. They were under bondage. And God is looking at someone that is not a Jew. And he's sending an angel to them. I mean, does it not tell you something? The person was not a Jew. He was not a disciple. And God singled out that person. A Roman officer. So if they are punishing the Jews, it's the one that will be beating them. He will lead these people. They will deal with them. It's enough. It's they have to obey the, the, the order. Obey the last order. If they tell him go and kill, he, he cannot say no. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting the... I'm trying to paint a picture here so you understand what I'm saying. They conquered the Jews and they were in charge of the town, of the city, of the, of, of the country. You understand what I'm saying? And now, God said... I mean, it's just amazing. He said, they would leave the Roman army officer named Cornelius who was the captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. Ah, how? Well, he's Roman. But he, he didn't even know Jesus. How <laughs> you get it? He had not met Jesus. But they said, God-fearing man. Okay, let's move on. As was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor, track record, and prayed regularly to God, track record. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Track record. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Cornelius was the first fruit of Gentiles. I mean, people may not have believed if not that God moved the way he moved. So you know the story. Peter went. As Peter was preaching about God, the Holy Spirit came down and they were speaking in tongues. And people were like, wow, this is clearly God choosing to draw Gentiles to himself. It was clear. Are you getting me? But who was the person? It was not a Christian. It was not a Christian. But he was doing some things that were good. But God needed to bring him the right path. He was going the wrong way. God needed to draw him to himself. So sometimes you look at some people and they are not believers. And it seems, this person, why is this person prospering? A lot of times we ask some silly questions. You know, there's a difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. I'm sure you know that. I don't want to go too much into that now. People that deploy the principle, the Bible, I mean, I'll take you through some things very quickly. But people that give to the poor, they are learning to God. The Bible does not say believers that give to the poor learn to God. It says whosoever. So there are principles. So Cornelius was one of those people. So my question is, how did God hear Cornelius' prayer when he didn't know Jesus? Well, it must have been someone that was a good-hearted person and knew that there was something different. There's this God. Maybe they were not going the right way, but he tried to live his life right and God recognized it. But my point is this is, in this is, see everyone reading the guy's citation. In the name of Jesus, you begin to build a worthwhile track record. <laughs> you know, as Christians, there's a lot that is expected of us. We can't continue to live our lives carelessly. A lot of things you pray for, 
God just needs you to have the right character a lot of times to attract those things. I mean, it's unbelievable the things that God does when we do the right things. You know, when God talks about love and he's saying it's un- this love is unconditional, you just have to love people, whether they are good or bad, just love. Do you know what that means? Let me just quickly give you a scenario. I mean, I thank God for this journey I went. I had a lot of time to reason, you know, like I, I was able to think well, I was able to talk to some people that increased and shifted my, 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 my level of reasoning to a higher level. I had a lot of time to say to my dad and we spoke very well. He shared an experience with me. I mean, you guys, if you just take the notes from this experience and I, I won't, I'll just share it with you and I believe the Holy Spirit will interpret it to you. <laughs> now, there is a property my dad manages for this, um, his friend, his very good friend, family friend that lives abroad. I think they live in Canada. So there's this property, they have a land and they built like a small bungalow at the back, like a boy's quarter at the back and they divided into two rooms. Now, they had these two tenants living in the two rooms. And these tenants were never paid. They never used to pay their rent. They were bad tenants. Anyway, fast forward to a couple of years later, there was a litigation issue with that land. And you know when litigation issues are happening, um, they evict whoever is there till they sort out the issue. So the government people came, they evicted those two families, those two tenants, and put them on the street, carried their things to the street. Now, my dad was in his office, of course, no business. It's just a property he's managing. It's not his property... And my dad said he just stood and he saw what was happening. Now listen, this is boys' quarter, very small. My dad just built up 20-something, like 20-something new apartments. He built them in a place. They just finished building it and painting. And he wanted to rent it to individuals. And he said when he saw those people, they had compassion. And he just felt God say, help them. And guess what he said? He said, told both of them, go with your family there. Choose any of the apartments you want. I'm moving there. And my dad was saying, no, go listen to me well. They were not good tenants. A normal person will say, it's good for them. God has caught you today. We'll see who we'll take into their house. But he said, no, God told him, no. Put them in your place. My dad said, stay, my dad said, stay there. Anytime you have the money, he reduced the money for them. Anytime you have money, you can pay in bits. Choose anyone you want out of 20, 20 something. So those ones went in, they were rejoicing. People that were living in this city were now living in a big... And my dad said, from his experience... In, in real estate, that level of that building, if you're renting it individually, it takes about a year, year and a half to fill it up. My dad said in three weeks, it was filled up. In three weeks. My dad said they had to be returning people's money. That people were crediting the account. Is it prayer that did that? And my dad said instantly the Spirit of God told him, love. This, those people did not deserve it. But they were in a situation where they were with their children on the streets. My question is, as a believer, what would you have done? Will you ever think of putting those kind of tenants in a property, in your own property that you want to make money from? I can't forget. And guess what? It did not stop there. While I was with my dad in Nigeria, we were sitting one day, we were discussing, and a phone call came in. And I heard my dad telling someone, don't take money from people like this thing happened long ago, like maybe five or six months ago. Say, don't take money from anyone again. I don't, I'm tired of returning money to people. Don't take money from people who are not giving houses. You have to count the number of houses. I said that it was, he said, he said it's a good problem. People are overpaying for my houses. And this is the time that a lot of people don't have money. But he's not lacking them. Good deeds. God will help us in the name of Jesus. So when you say you love, what does your love mean? I know a CEO of a company that I worked in. 
I can't. I mean, I don't want to mention the company's name. He told me personally. He, he built like, you know how God bless him. His goal was, you know what, when I want to retire, I want to have 12 houses in Lekki. That was his goal. At this time, he had built three. Two out of those houses, he put people, families there free of charge. Are you hearing me? And I must say, this man is blessed. I've never heard, when he told me that thing, I was like, <laughs> like I've not heard it before. He said, some people in this church, they have property, they, 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 the man lost his job, they had nothing, so he told them to be living there forever, like till whenever. I said, I've never heard that in my life. Good deeds. May God help us in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, before we go to the last one. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says, Insult your creator, will you? That's exactly what you do every time that you oppress the powerless. Other translations say the poor. It says, listen again, insult your creator, will you? That's exactly what you do every time that you oppress the powerless. Showing kindness to the poor is equal to honoring your maker. Did you hear that? Showing kindness to the poor is equal to honoring God. Are you guys learning something today? So for those people that are always looking at the church of God and say, ah, the church has to give to the poor more. My brother and my sister, go and do your own. The church will do their own. Go do your own. God, stop waiting. Go and start touching lives. Track record. You have to be deliberate. Don't be saying, there is no poor. Go and look for them. There are poor people everywhere. Help! Before we go to the last one, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to God or to the Lord. Don't worry. You will be repaid in full for the good you have done. Every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to God. Can God owe any man? Good deeds. I probably lumped the poor and good deeds together. Because it takes goodness to reach out to them. Listen, when I say the poor, I'm not talking about the poor that can help you. I'm not talking of the poor that takes care of your parents. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the poor. It's good to give them. But that's not the poor. The poor that cannot do anything for you. You can't see. I, I want to beg you in the name of Jesus. You have to be deliberate. I've been begging God. I'm like, God, how do I move to the next level with helping the poor? How can I? And myself and my wife, we had, we had some discussions when we went to Nigeria, and I know God will help us. But you have to be deliberate. Are there people that need to go to school, that, that are brilliant, that, you can, that need help? You know what $100 can do for them? Go find out. God will help you in the name of Jesus. Track record. The final one. It's sacrifice. Listen to me very clearly. Because a lot of us, because of our background, we like to be tapping up and down. Tapping grace, tapping grace. My question to you is, all the grace you have tapped in your life, where has it brought you to? Eh? You've been tapping grace since you were a child. Where are you? I'm sorry. I mean, I don't mean to insult you, but you are not really where... Oh, God. Help me. Where are you with the grace? If it is by tapping grace... <laughs> I think of all the people you have tapped their grace. Are you, are you where they are? Don't! <laughs> oh God, God help us. <sighs> ah. Before you 
claim and tap the grace of blessed people, you have to understand their sacrifices. Are you understanding me? There's always a price. You can't not want to pay the price and enjoy the goodness. You know, people come to me and they're like, oh, we, I tap your grace, I receive your anointing. I said, glory be to God. Some people come, I tap the grace of your business. Listen to me today. There's a scripture I stumbled upon since I was a teenager. And that is what has shaped the life of myself and my wife. I'm going to show you the scripture very quickly. You know it. I'm going to, I will explain something to you. The Bible says in the book of... No, no, listen. Listen to what led to that my chain of thought. Matthew chapter 4 verse 7 says, Jesus responded, the scriptures, also, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. That's Matthew chapter 4 verse 7. Now, a day I was listening to teachings and I heard the book of Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 to 12. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing on so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. He now says, try it. Put me to the test. I said, Jesus. I said, God says, put him. As a teenager, I was shocked. Put me to the test. I said, so, so this thing can make God say someone should test him. Then he says, your crops will be abundant, for I will cut them from insects and disease. Your grace will not fall from the vine before they arrive, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So as a teenager, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to be a tighter from today. Let me tell you something. I'm a businessman. From the day God knows, God is my, my wife, she knows. From the day we started business, we sat down with God. Not when we started, we had not made anything. We said, God, how do you want us to do this? And God gave us a formula. I said, this is how. Just to make sure that we are not beneath. And we started that. From when, I mean, that season when I started my business, that we're making $400 a month. I had three children. I would take out my tithes and give to God. I'm not joking. I, <laughs> I had three children. It looked like, how I would, so I would take it out and say, God, to you. But the growth has been normal. It's not normal. It's God's when you say you want to tap my grace. You know where I've been. There are businesses I have that I give God every revenue. I mean, not I give God 10% of the revenue, not profit. Everything that comes in, I just take out 10. I can't lack. Listen, record today. It's not possible. It's not, it's, I mean, it's too late. It can't happen. I understand the scriptures that deploy. It's not the, the kind of things that God now does in my life are not normal. Maybe because I now, I, I, because I, the, of the revelation I got on it, I know how to, to call it up. So I've called it up a couple of times. I guess I don't even need to call it up anymore. It just works. It's a system. It says it will pour out a blessing that there will not be enough room to contain. It's a principle. Someone is going to say, oh, Pastor, I tap your grace. You don't know what I do. And when I talk with God for the year, I talk with God, I say, God, this is the type I want to pay. That was the year I told God, if I tell you the tithe, it's the tithe is people's salary, normal people's salary. I said, God, this, I want to pay that tithe this year. And towards the end of the year, I said, God, ah, I didn't pay up to that now. Like, ah, I'm sure I was the only. God said, go and check this month. I calculated my tithe that month and I surpassed it. And guess what? That tithe I was saying then is my regular tithe now. I, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I cannot. It's too late. The kind of thing God does, they are not normal. I keep, I'm re-emphasizing that because I'm amazed at the kind of things where God now meets me at the point of my knees. Now listen, did it start on day one? No, I was consistent. So I, I, I was consistent to the point where it means like, see, having money itself is not the blessing yet. Oh. <laughs> the Bible says the blessings of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow. The blessings of the Lord are not the riches. 
but they will make you rich. Blessing of God, a lot of times, opportunities that God will bring across your path and He will say, go do this. I was going to travel. I'm sorry about time. But you need to get this so that your life will change. If what I can do, this is the message of today, we change somebody's life. I was going to travel for this with Olumde and his wife's wedding. I had shut down for Saturday. I said, you know what? Once I preach on Sunday, I am out. I'm sharing a testimony with you now. I said, once I preach on Sunday, I'm out. So let me shut down. And then a text message came in. Ah, pastor, I won't talk to you. I said, God, okay. I said, call me at this time. And me and this young fella went on the phone. And he says, Pastor, there is this thing I want to do. That can I send it to your email to see if it's good? It was a real estate opportunity. When I said, I screamed, I said, eh! I said, where did you see this? He said, Pastor, they are almost done with it. Today. So it's good. I said, my friend, go and get it. This is a good opportunity. Get it now. So the way the guy heard the way I was shouting, he said, Pastor, I know they have little left, but are you interested? I said, I will, I'm very, very interested if the opportunity is there. And he says, this is the person's number, call her. And I picked my phone. I felt God say, go for this. I called them. She said, oh, we are almost out. We don't really have anything. But let me check if we can get something. That was Saturday. On, was it on Sunday on our way to the airport? I received the message. Congratulations, we found one for you. Now, the thing was, how will you pay? I'm sharing testimonial. Like, oh, so you need to pay? They gave me an amount of money. They said, pay it now. I said, today is Sunday. Banks don't open. I'm on my way out of Canada. Like, I want to pay, but I don't. how will I pay? I can't call my bank to instruct them to move money. As I was in the midst of that, I saw a message from this person. Pastor, did you get it? I said, yes. I said, Pastor, I'll pay the money. Anytime you come back, whenever you have time, you can pay me back. This person paid my first deposit and my second deposit. And I got the house. So ask me. So if someone comes to tell me that, Pastor, what's your formula? I don't know. I can't give you seven secrets to become successful. No. But I can tell you that working with God has benefits. There is no way. Trust me. I mean, I can beat anything I have. God says, test me. I will open this. So it's never enough. I know a time in my time of my wife's life when we were in Nigeria because we've been doing this since from time. When we'll say, how do we do this? How we, when we put the money, we'll never be able to eat. But guess what? we eat too. The money will last. Before I know it, in my office, they'll say, oh, there's an opportunity. They'll increase my salary. Wow, I'm like, really? And that opportunity will come. I'll do something. That was it. Aye. The things I've seen God do. There was a time I was working in an organization like that. I was very well paid. But God brought an opportunity in that organization that was giving me twice my salary every month. And I was not doing anything. I just connected someone to a deal. And every month, the person was giving me well over a million. <laughs> so, you know, so when I tell so you, come and meet me, say, Pastor, what's this? I don't know how to explain it. All I can do is just to be unveiling it small, small. I am where I am today because of obedience and because of the mercies of God by the grace of God. When I say obedience, no obedience is total. It cuts across. When God says this, you do it. When God says this, you do it. And he's the one that chooses to have mercy. There are some people that probably pray more than I do. There are some people that probably give more than I do. It's the mercies of God. But what I'm telling you today is that that mercy is available for you. Track record. Having money it's not the same thing as utilizing money. Are you understanding me? Having money is not the same thing as utilizing God is the one that brings the opportunity that will make that money become something. Because money itself is valueless. Go read the book of Proverbs. Money flies. Opportunities that you have today will not last forever. What do you do with the opportunity? Key into God. That's what can sustain. The God of heaven will help us. We are almost out of time. But just bear with me. I'm going to round up now. I'm going to bring it together. 
Two people. Track record of sacrifice. Two people. Abraham. 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 You know what happened in Abraham's case? The Bible says in the book of Genesis 22, 15 to 18. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not returned even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. We as believers, we have, what covenant are we into? We said we've left the Mosaic covenant. Under what now? Abrahamic. Track record of Abraham. God told him to sacrifice. He obeyed. He went there. Did God, sometimes I'm like, why didn't God just stop him from going on the hill? That journey was long. And just tell him that, I don't worry again. God waited to see the total obedience. I pray God will accept and give you the grace to sacrifice in the name of Jesus. The second person, you know the story was Solomon. Solomon sacrificed, God came to him. So a lot of people, there, is, there are different things God requires of you. There are different things you need to hinge on. There are different things you need to start doing. My prayer for you today is that in the name of Jesus, God will begin to speak to you. The lifestyles you need to change, you will change them. You know, it takes something. This statement I made today, you know, I stood before you and I said, by the grace of God, I can never lack. My father made this same statement about 15 years ago. I can't remember. 15 years ago, he made it. And in my mind, I'm looking at this. Can you make such a statement? But there's a place God takes you to that you know. Because you know it's not you. If God can lack, then maybe I can lack. But God cannot lack now. So how will I lack? But it gets, you get to a place where you say for sure. Because it's not only children of God that are listening to me. The devil, people around are listening to. Witches are listening. The devil is listening. So when I say that, it's like a challenge. But I'm, it's, it's not possible. It's not possible. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Because God forbid bad thing. If you're going to say this kind of thing and something happens... And you lose everything. People say, people beg you. You see your big mouth. <laughs> but it cannot happen. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for us. That we will start building our track records. For those that already have a track record, God will give you the grace to increase it. So that in the day of trouble, when you go on your knees, I say, Father, this is what you have said. But I am declaring this. Remember my... Everyone will listen. In the day of trouble when everything is chaotic. And I'm like saying, Father, how about you said I should reason with you? You say, you, you say in your word, Lord, that he that pays this. You, you, you call for the covenant of Titan. Say, Lord, I'm a tighter. How can this be happening to my job? How can this be happening to my finances? Your word says that you rebuke the devourers from my saying, This is a devourer. I refuse it. Everyone will listen. Listen, there are times in my life that I've invoked the power of Titan. Not once has he ever failed. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. We said the first one is service. Serve God. We said the second one is good deeds. Please, so good deeds. So good deeds. We said the final one and the third one is sacrifice. God will give you the grace to start sacrificing. Sacrifice is not easy. That's why it's called a sacrifice. If it was easy, then it wouldn't be a sacrifice. I don't know what God requires of you. I don't know if in your own case, in your track record, you have the three. Awesome. Awesome. Keep building it. Keep building it. Because the more the track record you have, the more your voice is heard in heaven. That's it. The more heaven listens, the more heaven responds, the faster it responds to your case. I mean, that case of Ezekiel was just a clear case of heaven listening to a track record. Oh God, remember I have served you single-mindedly. I pray in the name of Jesus 
that for everyone listening to me today, you will get to that place that you'll be able to say, Oh God, remember I have served you single-mindedly. And God himself will hear you. In the name of Jesus. You know, it's this kind of thing that happens that your spouse or your child or something happens to them and you're saying, God, I need you to hear the child. Remember this. And God listens. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the time that you are confused. And you're like, God, I'm your child. Remember, I have dedicated myself to you. Remember, I have served you. Lord, please have mercy. I know it is not by my works, Lord, but I pray that you look at my service and have mercy on me. And God will have mercy. So let us bow down and begin to talk to God. Listen to me today. Before you can even start talking about a track record, you need to know God. If you are not, you know, just like Cornelius, God needed him to be connected before he can even begin to walk fully with him. I don't know who you are today. Perhaps you are not yet connected to God. And you're like, track record, how can I start building? Don't start building a track record outside God. You want to build it in God. So I want to give you the opportunity quickly this very minute. If you are there in your home and you're like, God, I want to retrace my steps. Or God, I want to give my life to you afresh. I want to walk with you. I want to start building a track record. I want to start a new walk with you. I want you to just raise up your hand wherever you are in your home and just say, Father, I thank you. I want you to begin to say, Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the price you paid. I thank you for the price you paid. I thank you for the price you paid. I thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for calling me today. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I change for my ways today. I forsake my old ways. I begin a new walk with you today. Lord, your word says that as many as come to you shall in no wise cast away. I come unto you today. I know that you have received me. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you for your children. I ask, Lord, that you receive them. I know that right now there is rejoicing in heaven over the souls of your people. Lord, I pray that you will keep them strong. Help them to continue to stand in the name of Jesus. Lord, that I pray for your children right here and those joining us online. That from today, they will begin to build their track record. Lord, that for those that already have track record, Lord, that they will begin to reinforce it in the name of Jesus. For those that are yet to build at all, I know it's never too late with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give them the grace to begin to start building it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Honor and adoration we give unto you. Thank you because we know you have heard us. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.